0: The biggest thing for me is that that when we walk around the office and we see people here, no different than when we go to these meetings, people still want that in-person feel. And so we have way more people sitting in an office meeting than we do on Zoom, which we've offered it as, like Audrey said, as a hybrid. Huge benefit to sit in the room and we can hook you up with somebody or you find somebody on your own and you go look at houses and you get to talk to them and have that experience of a 10 or 15-year
1: agent that gets to describe what's going on. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market, Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. We're here at uh, 800 Seymour Street in the room that I call the uh, the podcast booth. Okay. It's not quite a studio because we got a little bit of noise from outside still sneaking in. But I got a couple of uh, friendly faces that I'm pretty familiar with sitting in front of me today. From the uh, Westwind ownership and management side of the uh, office, I'm sitting in front of Brian Ledoux, owner of Royal Page, Westwind, Kamloops, what else you got? Penticton. Penticton. There's a couple in Penticton, right? A couple in right?
0: Penticton, yes. yes.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Audrey Shaw, who actually manages and oversees all of them, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. This, well, this is my first time in the room with it set up, so this is really cool. Nicely done.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a work in motion. I think we might um, try and insulate the ceiling a little bit more for a little bit of uh, exterior noise. But It's
2: weird. I've been in this office for many, many years, and I feel like I'm in a totally different space right
1: now. You're in a yeah, totally... Right? <laughs> you feel like you're in a radio station or something. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's the pod booth. I love well it. done. Welcome. Cool. So this episode is sort of like a... Uh, a second volume to a previous episode that we did where we interviewed some owners of a cloud-based brokerage. And I shouldn't say owners, they weren't owners, they were licensees operating a cloud-based brokerage here in Kamloops, uh, which is a North American-wide brokerage. And I wanted to sort of put them on one side of the scale and then put like the brick and mortar, the conventional real estate brokerage. And of course, this isn't like, this is Royal LePage, it's not Century 21 or... There's a million different approaches to brick and mortar, but what I wanted to discuss was the values that Royal LePage brings to the table. So if we do have real estate listening and they're thinking about, you know, entering the industry of real estate and they're weighing their options as to, should I go to a cloud based EXP style real estate brokerage, or should I look for a conventional brokerage, which is maybe brick and mortar sitting on, you know, downtown, whatever city you're in, that we would have some relevance to the discussion. So thank you for being here, first of all. Awesome. Have you guys ever done a podcast before? No.
2: I have never done a podcast. No.
1: So. Excellent. Totally rookies. Cool. Yeah. So then you we just talking. We're just talking to this thing. <laughs> you're just talking to that. There we go. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's very casual. Yeah. Okay.
1: No notes. Well, okay. I see you got some I notes. I Yeah. Okay. So let's start off the discussion just by basically giving like the listeners who you guys are and how you got to be where you are. So Brian, why don't we start with you? I know you're a real estate agent for a lot of years before becoming an owner.
0: Yeah, so I started in 1998, so a long time ago. This is now year 25, so 25 years in the business. Um, bought into owning the office at year 14, 14, yeah. So about 11 years now owning the offices themselves and bought into Kamloops and then, uh, yeah, an opportunity came available to buy into Penticton, so we bought into Penticton as well. Nice. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good change for me. You know, real estate's great and I love it, but it was nice to have that change of having the ownership of the offices.
1: Have you always had Royal LePage blood in you or were you at another brokerage before Mm, that? Good question. I
0: started at Remax actually. So, um, I do have knowledge of both, you know, both offices and how they run and, uh, you know, the differences in between the two, which is really good to know. Um, obviously I'm here and I, you know, I really like it here. So I I
1: That's would, why you rooted here.
0: I would rather be here now than knowing both. But yep. yeah, the uh the differences are are pretty large and I think that there's some some good benefits to being here and I'm glad I you know, I'm glad we bought in.
1: Nice. Awesome. And the previous owners when you when you were a real estate agent, they they've left real estate, they're still in real estate? So Still in real estate. Still in real estate.
0: One of, one of each, actually. So one owner is retired now, yep. but stayed in, you know, when we bought in, they both stayed in and stayed in the office and continued to, I guess, mentor us and help us through the process. And then, uh, yeah, one's still in the business.
1: Yeah. I would definitely highlight the mentorship there because even I call on on uh, Mike from time to time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Audrey, who um, you're running four brokerages as a manager. Managing yeah, broker.
2: So I have four underneath me. We do have another managing broker, five days, like that's in Penticton. He oh, lives okay. there, so I help out. I I pop in the office once a week there and, and nice. just kind of oversee more. Um, but I'm more hands on in Kamloops for sure. So.
1: Can you explain to a layperson who's listening what a managing broker like what the role of a managing broker is?
2: Yeah. So the managing broker is I. The idea behind it is is that I supervise all the agents. So um, I educate them. You know, make sure that we're compliant. There's some mentorship in there, obviously, as well, that just comes along with the role. Um, but my job is to oversee and make sure that the brokerage and the licensees are all compliant um, under all the regulations that we have.
1: And there's lots of them. Lots of them. I feel like there's a new paper to sign every six months. I know.
2: New email, new paper. You yeah. guys start, rules. Start,
1: start using this now. New process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's come a long way since uh, back in the day when. I wasn't a realtor at this time, but I, I hear, you know, older, elder realtors tell me about a time when a real estate contract was one page
0: yeah,
1: and it was, you know, pretty basic. I was there. You were there. <clears> I yeah. was there.
0: One what page. Everything was on it. it what do they call that paper where the- Carbon copy. Carbon copy. Press yeah. hard. Yeah. Press hard. <laughs> you're, you're making six copies. You would tear one off and give it to your yeah. client. When I
2: started, you had to still buy your contracts from the board
0: office. Yeah. Right. And you had you're, to purchase
2: you're, them. you're working with the realtors and you- bought them and, and use those. Yeah.
1: They were eight and a half by 14. Oh, they're legal size. They were legal size. Yeah. yeah. So, so interestingly enough, when you buy a car, you still get those.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's true.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they're working their way towards maybe doing something a little more modern, <laughs> right? <laughs> Probably more paperwork involved yeah. for them too. All right. So you guys have been around since I've been a real estate agent. So Audrey, how long have you been a managing broker?
2: Um, Six
1: years. Six years? Yep. Yeah. But you were here before. Yeah. You were office manager.
2: I've been a licensee. Um, Before I was a licensee, I actually uh, hung around the REMAX office. That's how I met Brian. I had some admin roles there. I was still in high school for a while, so I did just some kind of casual work, getting my way in. Became a licensee, um, and then I got into the management thing when they bought the office. Nice, And then, yeah. And then, like I said, uh, we had another longtime managing broker who helped me along the way and learning the ropes. And then, uh, and then I got my managing broker's license. Yeah, about six years ago.
1: Nice. So it's safe to say that you guys have been in real estate for a great proportion of your life. We're we're talking to veteran real estate blooded (laughs) human beings here. So
0: literally, actually, as of right now, exactly half of my life is real estate.
1: Half of your life.
0: Turned 50 this year, 25 years in the business. Happy 50. There you go. Thank you. I was there for it.
1: Yeah. I'm getting
2: close. Not half to your, 50. Half your life?
1: <laughs> half your life though. Almost, yeah. yeah. That's true actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Royal LePage. Let's do it. Brick and mortar. Um, is there such thing as a Royal LePage that's virtual? Like, do we? is there a Royal LePage that you guys are aware of that doesn't have a home base? No. Is that is that a criteria? No. No. Okay, so.
0: It's, I think they just, that's the model that they've, Adapted. Adapted and run with, and I think that it's a model that they've tried and tested and true, and okay. that's what we go with. Um, people still get to choose whether they want to work from the bricks and mortar, whether they want to be at home or not. There's still options there, but I don't know of any office that's completely virtual. Virtual. Lots right. of
2: different versions, versions. of offices yeah. out there. Some are more like a drop-in only Yeah. versus you know, what we're more used to with private offices and a drop-in space,
1: yeah. so there's lots of different versions. Right. Like a kiosk. Similar, yeah. I don't know if it's actually a kiosk, but they call it a kiosk, right, when there's kind of like a small brokerage that doesn't really house any realtors in Yeah, it. or like a bullpen. Yeah.
0: You know, they, they they would have their staff there to answer the phone and some conveyancing, and then you'd have a bullpen that you could walk in that's an open area that people can gotcha. sit beside each other and
1: work in. Yeah. So if you were if, if a real estate agent was interviewing you guys as to I just got my license, I want to I wanna join a brokerage, I, I'm, I'm weighing out my options, I've gone and seen uh, Century 21, I've gone and looked at uh, EXP's model, I've maybe you'd probably do that online. Um, how would you guys, like what would be the conversation that you guys would have to a new agent when, they, when you're trying to explain to them This is what Royal LePage would offer you as an agent operating here in Callum's.
2: My two biggest things for brand new agent is you are going to have so many questions you have no idea. Right. Um, You know, unfortunately, the licensing course doesn't bring you out that you just know everything and start operating the next day. Right. So we want to make sure that you have that support and that mentorship and that comes from your, you know, primarily your brokers. So myself, and then we spoke with the previous owner, Mike, he's still licensed as a broker. Um, so you have two veteran brokers at your fingertips, whether it's text, phone, meet in person. Um, we, we give them all of those options. And then it's culture, right? The, the culture here, uh, you know, you can walk down the office and someone has a question, you know, depending on whether or not it's a broker question. But if it's just a general, you know, hey, I'm not 100% sure about this any agent in our office would help them would point them in the right direction or give them the answer, depending on the context of it.
1: Right.
0: I think the other, a major to that too, is also the staff, you know, you're in the building, you're at, you call it quote unquote, bricks and mortar, which is what we're sitting in now. I mean, this is your off part of your office, but you can walk down the hall and walk in and step in front of uh, uh, a conveyancing secretary that's been in the business for 30 years, probably 30 plus years that knows everything about everything, and she's right here in the building. Right. I mean, that's the benefit that I think we have, is that not only are you seeing Audrey and Mike in the building as you're managing brokers, you can just walk up to at any given moment. You've got the staff sitting there ready to go at any given moment. And then you've got realtors that are in the building that are open to helping you out with any questions you might have that are you don't feel like going to those guys with.
1: Right. Uh, on the flip side, I think the virtual brokerage, the cloud-based brokerage was basically online. so like a chat room online. Yeah,
2: and and I look at that, and and I think in some forms, that's great. My concern is always misinformation, right? So if someone just goes out there and asks a regulatory question you know and and they and say you get
1: someone's opinion rather than
2: than a broker facts. answer yeah. right and and you, i mean the licensees know this when they're doing legal update when they're doing their courses it's always like you know please see your managing broker please see your managing broker and if you don't have rental access to a managing broker or right. you're getting your information um that just gets passed down from agent to agent that's potentially wrong right um it
1: doesn't take long for that to happen right right and you can have i've seen this i've not not seen the person but i've read about these circumstances where you have an agent who's had 10, 15, like a long career of real estate who makes one fatal error and they're out of business. Absolutely. Right? It's very, very, like the council doesn't take things lightly. I was just <laughs>
2: prepping our office meeting for tomorrow last night and I read uh, just a new decision came out and agent made a mistake and it's a $35,000 fine. Like right. they're, they're significant fines and like you say, they, it can be a, a fatal mistake for their career.
1: Sure, so. yeah, yeah. So explain explain the meeting aspect to it, like the, the regular meetings, the value to a, uh, an agent, maybe the value to a broker too, so they have attention of their real estate agents that they're going to be responsible for, to be in front of them on a regular basis, to be able to educate them and get them up to date. On things that are happening in our industry. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, Our meetings are one of my favorite things every week. So we do them weekly. Um, That was pretty standard in the industry when I started that every office had a weekly meeting. And that has, uh, I don't know if it's COVID or if it was all of it, but you know, that's changed. Um, We're hearing some offices are monthly, some are not doing them at all, but we stayed true to doing them. I think we missed one meeting during COVID. Like we had one week where it's like, okay, we don't know what's going on. And then we jumped right onto Zoom. And now we're hybrid. So agents can join in the office still. um, And we typically have a large crowd out every week. And then we also have a handful that will jump on Zoom if they can't be there um, for whatever reason. So they're still getting the information, which is great. Um, We have a mortgage broker that comes every week. We have a group of them. So one of them will speak every week, um, give an update on that. And then we have a lawyer. So when she runs into something during the week, or, you know, I'll even throw her some stuff um, that she'll bring up as a topic and an insurance agent. Um, and again, with wildfires, with all the different insurance issues, that's been really helpful. And then, yeah, as a broker, I get an audience to say, guys, this is what I'm seeing on your contracts in general. This is a, this is something that we're running into. This is a scenario that happened this week. Um, you know, no different than I just said. This is a BCFSA decision that just came out and this is what you need to know. So right. huge value there. Um, I'll let maybe Brian speak about the value to the agents as far as what goes on in that room too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the the biggest thing for me is that that when we walk around the office and we see people here, no different than when we go to these meetings, people still want that in-person feel. And so we have way more people sitting in an office meeting than we do on Zoom, which we've offered it as, like Audrey said, as a hybrid, which is a good option for the guy that's busy or, you know, running their kids around or whatever. You know, we've got guys that are on the meetings in their vehicles on Zoom, on their phones, which is great. They're still, like Audrey said, getting that info but we are seeing that that transition back to where they're super excited to be in person again. Right. And I think that being in person no different than you know even sitting here with you. I mean if we did this where I was at home, this would be a different feel. Sure, sure. 100%. 100%, right? Yeah. So yeah. that to me is a huge value to offer people as especially new agents sitting there, they get value of being in the in the room and seeing these people meeting uh the mortgage brokers meeting the lawyers, but also the next step of that is we push the, you know, the tour, going on tour after the meetings. And if you're going to go on tour, the best way to go is to hook up with somebody, find somebody in that meeting and jump in the truck and go with them rather than sitting at home. And then all of a sudden you, you know, the meeting's over. If if there's a meeting at all or there's no meeting, some, you know, some offices that have zero meetings, you're just wandering around on your own looking at houses. Right. Huge benefit to sit in the room and we can hook you up with somebody or you find somebody on your own. And you go look at houses and you get to talk to them and have that experience of a 10- or 15-year agent sure. that gets to describe what's going on.
1: Yeah, especially with trying to evaluate price, uh, maybe features of the house that you're not aware of. But, you know, a veteran agent says, you know, the reason this house has value is because of this door and its position because someone can suite it later. Exactly. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. And it'd be something that they would then look for on the next 15 you know, listing presentations, right?
0: Or even just certain areas, certain areas of town that are, that are, you know, stigmatized in that sense where there's certain things going on in a, in an Aberdeen area or a Barnard Vale area. That's got stuff that you need to know about that may not be just easily found or written down somewhere.
1: Right. So how about the value of like this, this is just something that sits on top of my brain all the time. When I think of cloud-based everything going to cloud-based, Okay. As a real estate agent, we have to interact with buyers and sellers all day long, okay? We want to increase the visibility to buyers and sellers. We don't want to reduce it. Like we would, I don't feel the industry would be of value if we just met people online and did Zoom meetings on showings. Like I think there would be no emotion there and it would get...
2: I think COVID showed that too, because they did come out with an option during the height of COVID that allowed for virtual showings. Right. And some people thought, is this going to eliminate the need for us? Because are right. our, our buyers and sellers are just going to realize, well, we can do this ourselves with our iPads? And it went nowhere. Yeah. Like, it, real estate is still something that you need to see, touch, feel.
1: Totally. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And that interaction between realtor, agent to client is huge. I mean to be able to grow that relationship by showing them a house or meeting at their house to list their house or whatever it is, it's it's massive. Right. So yeah, virtual showings and all that stuff I think is was a short lived sure. fix for COVID. But
1: I can tell you from my previous industry as a home inspector when you know, you would, not everybody would go to a home inspection. Like a buyer would say, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with this house. It's just, I'll, I'll hire the home inspector. He goes out, sends me a report. I'll read it and I'll call it good. I would charge more for that buyer for that home inspection than I would if you showed up. Because I know there was going to be more problems if I didn't meet you. Right. Like you wouldn't know what I did. You wouldn't know what I look like. You wouldn't know how I speak you wouldn't know you you would assume everything and you wouldn't know exactly what what you're dealing with. Yeah. I think the same thing is for for real estate agents. If you didn't meet your agent and and cooperate with them in the process of, tra- of the transaction, later if there was an issue, you would just assume that, that the agent didn't do something. Yeah. Right?
0: Biggest transaction of your life. Totally. How do you not want to get in front of the somebody? Yeah. I mean it's it's and it's well known that you're even in the car industry, you know, those guys they they feed off of that where if you get them in front of you, then it's, you're going to sell them more, you're going to do more business, you're just going to be a better car salesman slash real estate agent if you're in front of people. Sure. That's what our job is.
1: Right. So what about the value of realtor to realtor? Um, I can tell you from my experience that I, I, the, the agents at EXP, because it's probably the larger cloud-based brokerage that's operating in our area, the only agents that I really truly know are the ones that came from brick and mortar because we would have bumped into it. We would have ran into them throughout the process of whatever. Um, Some of them came from this office, right? Um, When I'm dealing with another agent, I've already made up my mind how the negotiation may go. When they say something, I, I can either believe them or not believe them or I, or like I instantly default to, I I'm not sure, right? Like I, I don't fully trust this agent but if i know them and i've dealt with them at least then i give the opportunity to my clients when we're negotiating for them is that this is how this person is this is the track record here
2: we're in a relationship business whether it's with our clients or with the other agent uh, you know everything we do is based on relationships and you just said it like if if i know them and trust them Likely, this deal is going to go a lot smoother or easier, potentially, right? right? So it's it's building those relationships and building that culture, and that's what we've really tried to push over the years. Um, is culture here, right? Is is get to know your agents? Yes, you can work from home. We we have the tools to allow agents to, quote unquote, be cloud based as well. Our next one system is a paperless system that works everywhere. So we've given them the tools, but we're also saying, you know, show up for our events, show up for our charity events. You know, there's lots of reasons why you show up for a charity event, obviously to do good, but also to create relationships, right? Right.
1: Um,
2: and and make that part of your business a lot easier down the road.
1: Right. So it, when, when we were discussing cloud-based brokerages, we we talked about the shape of what it appeared, like this pyramid of visible pyramid setup in that you're naturally going to want to help the peers below you because it, it helps you financially, right? But but when we discussed this this uh, podcast like a week ago, you'd mentioned that that might be a problem moving forward with rules.
2: Potentially and and it's it's just something that popped into my brain because we, you know, we've had a clampdown on the word team. So the word team is is as far as our regulators concerned, they've clamped down on it as, you know, they've made sure that the organization of a team. So if, you know, if Parker and I decide to be a team, we need to disclose that we need to know if there's a financial benefit to either one of us. So um, you know what, I, I don't know for sure if, if BCFSA is going to take issue with it. But certainly when there's agents, quote unquote, below me, and every time they sell, there's a benefit to me, is that now a team? Right. Um, and that's a question that I think has a big question
1: mark behind it right now. Sure. So just for listeners that may not understand what all those acronyms mean, but BCFSA, BC Financial Services is literally who's governing us right now. Yeah.
2: So I think most people still remember the BC Real Estate Council. So if there was ever an issue or, you know, and that's who does our licenses, that's who does our education. Um, But we're now under, yes, uh, BCFSA, which is the BC Financial Services Authority. So that's our regulator.
1: When I hear the word financial and authority, I'm, (laughs) I'm thinking they care where the money is. Where the money is going? Absolutely, right. A lot of our disclosure comes to do with where is the money going? Yeah, the where consumer is the needs going? to know.
2: The consumer needs to know, you know, who's getting paid a commission on this transaction. Um, I just dealt with a situation the other day where there was a little bit of confusion as to why another agent that this client had never met was getting paid, right? Because right? there was a disclosure that needed to happen, right, as to why they were getting paid. So,
1: so how would you how would you be able to disclose the 700 agents below you, if you were an early adopter into a cloud base where there is remuneration that falls downhill, how how would you be able to do that? I have
2: no idea. (laughs) Good question.
1: (laughs) And is there a disclosure that needs to happen when an agent is purchasing a property from an agent who's in the same brokerage where there is financial motivation within the two, you know, like, Let's say XYZ Realtor is at the top of a pyramid, and he's listing a property, and it goes into multiple offers, and there is somebody who's directly underneath him, which will have some financial incentive for him. But then there's Parker Bennett at Royal Page Westwood that doesn't have any financial incentive to that deal going through. And what happens if those offers are very similar, and it's
0: well, and that, I was going to say, sorry, and that's the that's the team concept that we're talking about. Where right. then they shouldn't be allowed to sell that property as a as a team, right? Because that's the team concept: is you can't sell your own listings. Technically, that's their own listing because they they're part of a group that benefits from each other.
1: Sure. So Audrey, just define team, like define that a little more for people who don't know what a team is.
2: Like- yeah. So as of April 1st, a team, um, they had to register with BCFSA. Now, teams were registering before, don't get me wrong. It's just that they tightened the definition of a team. So um, a team has to be two or more licensees. And when I say that they tighten the definition, it could have been that, you know, me and you had just an, a casual agreement that you know, Parker was going to help me out and kind of mentor me and, and help me out with my business, and I was going to pay him 25% of every deal that I got. But we weren't a team. We didn't, you know, we didn't advertise as a team, but I was going to give you 25% of every deal. That is now one of the de- definitions that they've said as a team. Okay. If there is a standing commission agreement between agents, that's yep. a team. Um, if there's any marketing, so if you and I get together and say, hey, let's split a billboard, sure. the perception to the public is we're a team we're on the same billboard. So um, they've really just kind of tightened that up. Um, There was also a concept called referral partners. So lots of advertising. And then underneath it would say, you know, referral partner instead of team member, because that allowed for the referral partner to technically sell their listings then. right. Um, So again, they've tightened that up. So if you're marketing, if you appear to the public to be a team, or there's a standing commission agreement, you now have to register as a team.
1: Right. And you say standard commission agreement, meaning like, not a one-off referral. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know the billboard thing. I just assumed you could split billboards, just imaginary line going down the middle. One side's go one direction, the other side's another direction. It
2: really, it's all about public perception. So does the, does right. the billboard look like we're working together now? Right. Then we need to be careful with that.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think like the public sees value when they hear team and group that like, this is the perception that it's like a bigger entity or like a a more established group of individuals challenging for one goal I would guess it would go both ways. Some people would
0: perceive it as value in having a group that's going to help me yeah I'm gonna get help from different avenues, different uh, personalities, maybe if I don't jive with one, I can go with another one on the team. I think other people might think that it might get lost in the shuffle, sure you know there's too many people too many in the mix. I want one guy that's, you know, working for me and I know he's working for me and I'm not just going to get shuffled around in a team. Gotcha. So I think it would go both
1: ways. And you're familiar that cloud base is still operating. There's teams in the cloud base world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we established that part of it. Um, one of the main, when I was talking to the licensees who, who were registered as the, into the uh, real brokerage, I asked them a very specific question, which was what, what's the best value that you get from being cloud-based? And they said a lot of similar things that we discussed, you know, they, but it was just different, you know, like it was online support as opposed to being in-person support. There was, you know, there was help with offers from mentorships because there was mentors above them that would, would have financial incentive to help them get along through the process, Right. But the number one thing that they mentioned was stock options. That there was going to be some sort of like secondary uh, financial gains for them to be with that brokerage. And a lot of them talked about it as being like, you know, a retirement plan or passive income, right? And so we didn't dive too deep into it because a couple of reasons. I didn't have all the facts in front of me, but now that I've reviewed what I pay as a real estate agent relative to what I would pay is if I was operating in another virtual brokerage. I'm not going to pick on one, but I just, I did pick one to look at the financial numbers and it kind of played out this way. If I were to be a superstar real estate agent and sell 30 to 40 houses, did 30 or 40 transactions a year, I would be somewhere classified as like a rock star, and I would get Um, some stock options at the end of my year, okay, which would put all the money back that I've put into the brokerage. And in theory, putting the brokerage in a negative financial situation, making money off me, it doesn't sound like a very sustainable option. Right. Right. Like it's either fake or there's more to it. I don't (laughs) know which it is because I I don't have all the facts in front of me cuz I, I think I have to join to get them.
0: Well, and I think I think that and I again, I, we're not we're not here to talk negatively about anybody, but I think that there's some some interesting facts that we may none of us may have right. truly at the back end of that that situation, but the the stock option is something that we can't offer, but I don't feel like it's a true massive benefit to pick an office based on that situation.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've looked at the stocks. We know what the numbers are. Um, The fact that you don't just get it, you have to prove yourself in many other factors that we do know of that you you don't just get it. You have to be uh, involved, involved. You have to do certain things and you have to do the numbers and the
2: people below you need to do the numbers,
0: people below you need to do the numbers. That's, that's how it works. Um, And we've, Done a lot of that math. No different than than you did some homework. We've done the math, and we know that there's not a major amount of people doing those numbers. Right. And so, and then we look at it as, well, those guys at the top end, are they spending more time recruiting and and trying to get more people underneath them, or are they spending more time on real estate? Right. You know, what's what's their end game? And the new guys coming in, you know, they get in based on those stock options because it's really the only difference that that we can offer. I
1: mean, I think the- Financial v- difference, yeah.
0: Financially, I think we're relatively yeah. the same or cheaper in, depending on how many deals you do. If that's the case, to get all those, is that what your job is now is to go and recruit and then are you going to actually, actually make any money selling real estate? Yeah. So again, we're talking about benefits to the bricks and mortar. That's what you came brought us in for.
1: Yeah, but I wanted a true, like yeah. if, <laughs> if somebody was listening to this podcast and they were like planning to become a real estate agent, I would want to have- all the opinions at least put out front. So it's not about like, you know, jumping on a bandwagon or anything, but it does happen to be that I am sitting in here with a, in a brick and mortar like Royal LePage. So I'm naturally going to be obligated to be a little favorable to it. It's where I live, right? So yeah,
2: I, I think the thing about it is, and you said I don't it, have to, that, to
1: disclose that, by the way, to
2: <laughs> I don't know if, if uh, everybody I've talked to about it that's, that's in it doesn't actually truly understand the stocks. Um, and I, you know, like I've asked the question, like if everyone's just keeps being given stock, what's happening to the stock itself. Right? right. Um, and then the other thing is, is that it's a small percentage of people that are actually going to achieve that level in right. reality. Right. And it's no different than when you look at any other, um, you know, selling, you know, there's always, you know, and I, there's I'll, always
1: a, an incentive to get right? to the, there's top. the
2: pink Cadillac. How yeah. many people drive pink Cadillacs? Sure. Right.
1: Yeah. So I might get one. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Pink Cadillac. <laughs> I, I would team up with someone and we'd do no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would disclose it. <laughs> so I guess we can sum it up this way. Um, or maybe maybe you should sum it up this way. If if you had to give a, a four or five bulletin point presentation on the value of Royal Page Westwind because we haven't chatted about any other brokerages. They all kind of, they work similar, but they're also very different in their culture and what, mm-hmm. what, what they get offered in the back end of everything. And, you know, the The remuneration might be different. It's all who knows, right? It's, but for what we're discussing here, give me the bullet points of like this is the tops.
0: I, I would even go further one step further than that and even say that each royal a page brokerage could be different. Sure. So our value in the you know in, in what we think, and Audrey made it clear that the, the you know the um, uh, the culture that we're building within our brokerage is different than every other culture that I think might be built in other Royal Page or any other company's, you know, uh, brokerages. But for us, I think that, you know, we, we're not, we're, we're not against any of the, you know, at home brokerage styles. We just think that there's some huge advantages to being in person. Our meetings that we run every week are massive in person. Yeah. You get the option of zoom, our staff is huge. You know, we've got staff that's been here for longer than I've been in business. So that's massive to have that knowledge base sitting there. You've got a managing broker system, you know, with, with Audrey and and a couple others that are in place that you have access to, which I think is huge. Um, and then I think that, you know, we, part of the culture is our events, our events and our and our our charity events and stuff that we put on that puts us in front of everybody. I think there's some massive, um, uh, you know, value for that. Sure. And
2: for me, I take it back to relationships again. Right. And, and I speak solely about my position as, as the managing broker. Right. And, and I, my goal and, and my hope out there is that I, have that relationship with every one of my agents that, that, you know, you feel comfortable calling me, whether it's eight o'clock at night, because you're stuck in a deal, whether you've been in the business for 15 years or five minutes that you have that relationship with me. I know you, I know your family. I know what's going on in your life. I care about you. I care about your business. Right, and you're not just a number that pops up on my, you know, kind of to do list. You know, all of the people in our business mean something to me. Um, this is truly my second home. I probably spend more time here than my actual home. Right. Um. So all the agents to me are family, and I wanna I want to see them succeed. I want to help them succeed and keep us both out of real estate jail. I, I,
1: and I can second that because I did text you on Saturday morning there <laughs> while I'm signing a a, a, a deal. And I'm like, what? What's the remuneration? Like, like I had an issue anyway, it's a long story short. Let's call Audrey. <laughs> Let's
0: <laughs> see what she to, has to say. Did she
1: answer the phone? Yeah, totally. There yeah, it is. I'll Happy to take it. that call. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the main hurdles are for new realtors just getting in the industry? Like, what do you think the main issues are that prevent success for a new realtor?
0: Well, I I would say mainly is what Audrey brings value to is the regulation stuff, learning that those rules and what you can and can't do, yeah, um, I think are massive. I
2: think so many people get into this business without a true understanding of what it is, and it's easy to get sold on this business. And I hear it all the time. I have people come in that say, "Yeah, I'm taking the course. I spent my thousand dollars on the course. I'm ready to go." And I'm like, "Okay, you have about six thousand dollars." of other fees and licenses coming up now. And they had no idea either the person getting them in, isn't telling them kind of the whole picture. It's a thousand dollars you can get in, you can make a hundred thousand dollars in your first year, no problem. Right. So they come in not realizing the, this is truly a profession. This isn't to take a 30 day course and, you know, start your business. This, this is a profession and it needs to be treated as a profession. We're dealing with people's biggest assets. We're dealing with their money. Um, and so I think they get in under this illusion that it's going to be easy and, Any one of us sitting in this room knows it's not easy to get clients. It's not easy to motivate yourself. I don't call every brand new agent at 8.30 on Monday morning and ask them where they are. You know, that's part of running their business. (laughs) Are you up? Yeah. Are you coming to work? Right out
1: with coffee. (laughs) Self-motivation. Right?
2: Self-motivation. And they just, so uh, my fear is that there's just so many people out there just trying to get more people in the business, which, you know what? I'm not scared of the competition. I'm not scared of it for you guys. I'm not, you know, I think it's great, but we, we need to make sure that these people coming in are realizing what they're truly getting into. It's it's not a cakewalk. It's not just your first year in business is super easy. You're going to make $100,000 and we're all going to be happy. Right. They need the reality of it and they need to know that it's going to be a lot of hard work, rejection, um, they need to learn how to prospect. They need to learn how to, you know, f- you know, they need to learn when to ask questions. They need to do all of that.
1: Sure. And,
2: and it's not a thousand dollars to just get in. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, and, I can verify that. And
0: yeah. we offer that. We offer that training, and that's something we haven't really touched on at all. But that training, that new recruit training that we bring in, um, the the four or five week, whatever it is that you we spend with them, there's a there's a whole booklet, a huge book that we go through to train them right. on. Just the simplicity stuff, you know, just the basics that we we need, and then beyond that, we offer third party training as well that gets
1: you the next level. So, in that training, do you do you grab the agent and basically say, "Hey, I, I got to make sure that you know what you're getting into because this isn't like this I, isn't the strip in New York, like whatever <laughs> movie you're watching about real estate agents is a little might be a little different."
2: I try and do that before,
1: yeah, like, before, yeah. Right. I try
2: and i i do these probably. Twice a month, I'll have either one or two or five people on Zoom or in person, and I will run through. This is what it takes to get your license. This is what it's going to look like in your first year, right? I give them everything. Um, and most of them don't become licensees. Right. And that's okay because a lot of them go, oh, I thought it was $1,000. Or I thought it was, right. oh, you know what? I thought it was going to be easy. I thought there was minimum wage involved, right? Does
1: anybody like, have a used textbook I can buy for less? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly All right. Is there right. a, used one? Is Maybe there a an discount on dated
0: that? One? Yeah. We, so
1: it's, we actually do pride ourselves
0: in that recruiting phase when the new realtors come to us and they're they're just in the course and they want to find a brokerage. They're looking around. We are the ones that, and we found this just because we know that they've come from other brokerages and now they've come to us. So we know what the other guys are telling them. And then we sit down with them. We are open book. We lay it out completely. This is... It's going to cost you $6,000 to get in. It's going to, these are the costs. Is that gonna, what it
1: costs now? Like six grand? It's
2: just over six grand. Yeah. Six by grand? the time you pay all your regulatory and licensing.
1: and you join all the boards, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It's about $6,000. And the $6,000 is the easiest part of becoming a realtor. Easiest
2: yes. part. So if you don't have that $6,000, right. you probably want to wait. Yeah, right? but <laughs> and we, that's the conversation we have.
0: And and we lay that out there completely for them. Like sure. from from looking at a, 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 a realtor's bill to show them that this is what a bill looks like so you can see itemize what a normal bill would look like with the names whited white out but you can see that at the end of the month this is what it's going to be not just get in and it's it's easy and it's oh it's not much money don't worry about it then you sure know, we pride ourselves huge on that
2: and that's the fear like i said that there's there's people out there that are trying to grow their business which i understand and i respect but i just hope that the people coming in underneath that are getting the whole picture and, and getting the right training. 100%. And our training, like Brian said, it's a big book. And I even added how to open a lockbox in there because I had a new agent fool me one time standing there.
1: How do we do it? How do I how open a lockbox? Yeah. And I
2: never thought, like, fair enough. It's not something that we
1: do. Every, if you do it every do. day, you do it every day. But if you've never done it, you've never done it. Right. Never done so we teach yeah. them how
2: to open a lockbox. <laughs>
0: right. And <laughs> yeah. I think the advantage for us is you get training from a managing broker like Audrey when... The other models don't. Their, their training more is going to be online with who knows, potentially. Right. But also, like you said before, Parker's the the upline. Right. So you're calling your upline, but their value is that, yeah, they might be better than you in the moment, but are they good enough to give you the right answers? Sure. Because their only, their only motivation is for you to make money. Right. So that's the key that I think that we bring to the table is that you can phone their managing broker, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know where they are. But I know where ours are.
1: Right. And you can just reach out and grab her. (laughs) On a Saturday. (laughs) On a Saturday. Thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) Anytime. I did feel a little stupid there, not knowing the answer to a a new regulatory question. It
2: was a brand new regulatory question. Yeah. So it was a fair question.
1: (laughs) First time I'd ran into it, I was like, huh, (laughs) better call Audrey. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to add? Hey, let me ask you this. Do it. How do people... Uh, that are maybe new coming in the industry, how do you show them the culture? How do you give them a little picture of what the culture might be? Literally pictures. Pictures? <laughs> Yeah, I'll show, them, I'll
2: show them pictures of our events, our yeah. hot dog days, our shelter days where we go do yard work and paint fences at the shelter. Um, and honestly, I've had um, some where before they're licensed, I'll bring them to an office meeting. Yeah. Right? Right. We've let seen them, that before. Let them meet people. And I mean, the nice thing is we are the largest brokerage in town. Um, so a lot of times when agents or new agents or prospective new agents are coming in, they already, oh, I know Parker. I know Brian, right? right. They already know somebody here, which is a nice connection for them.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah, it is nice to be able to come into one of the lucky things I had coming in this industry because I came from home inspection. I kind of knew all the realtors, which made me feel very comfortable, even though some of them didn't like me. <laughs> I'm sure they, they do now. You were our favorite I'm sure they inspector. do. I'm sure, they, I'm do sure they love you now, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. now they do. Yeah, yeah. it took yeah. some while. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a big, big factor because I can imagine coming into a new industry, well, it's not, like nothing different than going to a new company and there's yep. 300 people that are technically competing against you Mm -hmm. and you don't know any of them and you are just, you know, like you could be lost out there at sea.
2: I'm always impressed. and, And I can speak to this myself. Some of my longest friendships are built out of this office. Right. Right. So.
0: Yeah. I think that like Audrey said, some of them come in knowing somebody. So that's an easy transition. That's where I think that we either win or lose some of the new agents because they might know somebody over at another office so we don't even get a chance to talk to them because they're just
1: built in mentorship,
0: built in mentorships or just built in. They've talked to them and they like what they hear about their culture and they, sure. they just that's where they go. Um, but I think that our value is that we, when you bring you in, we get to now introduce you to more people. So we meet you at a meeting or we're walking down the hall and you're across the hall from Parker's office in your new office. And we introduce you to Parker and go, this is your new, you know, hallmate. Sure. And they might have a better relationship to walk over and go, Hey, Parker, I got a stupid question for you. Yeah, that's I mean, what that's what I think we build. And I think in the beginning, it truly is some pictures. We're showing them pictures and talking about our Christmas parties and our, you know, all our hot dog days and all the stuff that we bring as a as an office to you guys to bring us together as a team, as a you
1: know, as a camaraderie, and and everybody has a good time. Do you foresee anything changing in the near future? Like, do you have a a conceptual idea is this is what a, a a brick and mortar real estate brokerage will look like in 2050.
2: You know, what's funny is that ever since I got into the business, which was around 2002, 2003 is that they've been talking about is bricks and mortar going to go away. It's been a conversation for so long that it's kind of white noise to me in a way, because I just, I've heard it since day one. Right. And, but there's still value there. And, and, you know, that's a long ways away, but I, I, I still see there being value, right?
0: I think the good question would be is, do you think there's—will we ever go to a virtual-only, not-in-person, house-showing, house-listing scenario? And well, if the answer is no to
1: that, I think that bricks and mortar is going to last. Well, I would say you have to, you have to think that that's going to come one day. Like, the technology is not here today for that to be effective, But there probably will be a day when the right goggles can get put on and you can pick up the door handle and open the lockbox virtually. I don't mean, I don't know. That's probably gone the way.
0: I I don't think so. Really? I disagree with you. I think that you you will never be able, I mean, there's still going to be people. There's still people today that buy sight unseen. Sure. seen Mm -hmm. that my whole career. Yeah. But that's a one-off. That's one a year kind of thing. I think that that model is never coming. Hmm. That's, that's my true belief. Right. And I think if that's the case, I think people still need to touch and feel. And I think they still need their relationship. They still need to shake the hand of their realtor. To me, that means that bricks and mortar will never go away.
2: I thought after COVID, I thought nobody was coming back to the office. That was my fear, right? right. Like nobody's going to come back to the office. And I was a little bit delayed coming back to the office after COVID. I worked from home a little bit longer because of kids and school and all that stuff. And I don't know how many times a day I heard, when you come back to the office? I want to just be able to pop in your office, Audrey. When are you coming back to the office? Right. The agents were annoyed that I was still working from home at that point. So I still, my, you know, my big fear about nobody coming back was turned around. Right. Very quickly.
1: Isn't it crazy that like, there's just no COVID anymore? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I was downloading my vaccine passport to get on a plane tomorrow. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> Well, where are you going that you need a vaccine passport?
2: I, uh, we're going to Nashville, so. You don't
1: need it for down there.
2: You need to get, to, apparently to get on a plane for air travel to the United States, you still need to show I just it. Went,
1: I just went to Florida. I never brought it up once. Oh, good to know. Yeah.
2: That's what it says on the website.
1: And so. when you land in Florida, they they there's a sign that says COVID, it's over. COVID doesn't over. <laughs> exist. I was in Florida in
0: 2021 and it didn't exist then. Yeah. They didn't have a COVID. They looked at me fine <laughs> with the mask on. They didn't have it. Yeah. So different, different animal down
1: there. But like our whole life sure. was upset for a while and it was like, this is going to be new changes. And, and granted, there is... I bet you people wash their hands more. Yeah. I, I would think just from that experience, but at the same time I won't token, let my
2: kids uh, blow the candles on a birthday cake.
1: Man. Oh, yeah. It's gross. A I, weird that one, right? always was gross. <laughs> See, that's what I lot. say, right? It
2: yeah.
0: always was gross, but I never thought of it until <laughs> to, you brought it up.
1: Until COVID happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Spit and loogies. Yeah, it's gross.
0: I mean, our, 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 yeah, our lifestyles and everything else I think has changed forever. Yeah. But is it, is it minor or major?
1: No. Yeah. It's pretty minor stuff. Not that I want to get into conspiracy or anything, but the next one could be a worse virus. It could be a really bad one. Or does flatline just Florida be the first to go? <laughs> cheap real estate in Florida.
2: <laughs> there, I feel like we're ready for it now. Yeah. <laughs> we know what we're doing this time.
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you guys are busy people and you got lots of important things to do. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I thank you very kindly for giving me your thoughts and, uh, and just sharing the knowledge of what the the brick and mortar, which is now just a term that we use for Royal Page, but uh, just for what what, what kind of what, what kind of value you guys offer the industry in itself. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. We appreciate you having us. This yeah. was fun. This cool. Was awesome. We'll have to do it again. Any time. We'll have beer next time. Beer. Well, yeah. Should have been beer in here. Yeah.
2: I'll Let's, take a paralyzer. It's
1: Monday morning. A little early. Best time. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Okay, buddy.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater.